Hey, founders, welcome back to another episode of the Gab Lab. So glad you're here. This is a show that is designed to bring you financial intelligence that won't only just blow your mind, but it's there to help you build your bottom line as well. I'm your show host, Tony Woods Richardson, and our episode today is being championed by our friends at Community Futures Manitoba. Our guest today is Financially Fierce founder, Riley Iverson, and this is one episode that you are not going to want to miss. He's going to talk to us about how he took his business from ideation to acquisition in only six short years, but how he did this with a stage three non-Hodgkin's lymphoma diagnosis thrown in at the very beginning of his startup. Listen, if you want to know how to become financially fierce, but more importantly than that, how to become physically and emotionally fierce in the process, please, please, please do not miss this episode. Looking forward to seeing you over in the lab. Catch you there. All right, Riley, welcome to the Gab Lab. Hey, thanks for having me. <laughs> thanks for being here. Honestly, you know, you and I go way back. I'm embarrassed to talk about the years, but I think, I think it was 2012. Right when we first met? I think you're right. You had to sit there and listen to some really bad business ideas of mine <laughs> outside Collective Coffee. I distinctly remember you uh, oh patiently listening. Oh my gosh. Oh, it, and you know, so when I think about that, Riley, I have to tell you from where, when we first met in 2012 to everything that has happened in your life between then and now, it really is an amazing story. And um, again, I'm just, I'm so honored that you agreed to do this show with us to, to share that story with other founders. It's incredible. Yeah, thanks, for sure. So that's where we started, where we ended up and, and why Riley's on the show today, everybody. Everybody has a story. Riley's story in particular, uh, we talked a little bit about in, in the title of this show, for those of you that are looking at it on the blog, we talk a little bit about uh, a health scare that you had in the middle mm -hmm. of all of this. Um, but we also talk about the fact that from where you are to, I think it was in, it was last year, or maybe you're in the, the, the process of it still, you managed to start a business, one of your first businesses, and you managed to sell it while going through this, uh, while going through this health scare. So um, I don't want to say success is always in a successful exit because everybody defines success as, yeah. as different, but I have to tell you, I am so inspired by your story, you've moved me to just like really figure out what is the game? What is the purpose of, of doing everything? So thanks again for, for being here and sharing your story on this. I'm curious, can you share with our audience just a little bit about the business with respect to the industry, the, the scope, the size, like what, what was it that you built? Yeah, so we built uh, a business in uh, the government technology space, software as a service. and. Um, Basically, what we did is we gathered data on 38,000 municipalities across Canada and the United States. Um, I'm slightly getting ahead of myself. I mean, the way that we saw the problem came about um, was working in the industry. And we noticed that businesses were looking for information on local economies and governments were expected to produce it. So we went to the government saying, um, hey, how come there's disparate data, how come the data is out of date? And they said, hey, we need help with this, right? And so without turning that into a whole, like how did the problem and, and business come about, I'll make a long story short and just saying that um, that's where we, we solved the problem and working in the industry. 
Um, and little did we know uh, a few years later, we scaled that across Canada, selling these dashboards to uh, municipalities. We had an opportunity to, uh, to grow it into the United States. And then uh, towards the end of last year, uh, we had an opportunity to pass the business on to a bigger company that really brought in some very heavy resources to grow it. And um, we're, we're pretty proud of uh, seeing where the business is going um, with, with the new owners. Uh, they're bringing a lot of firepower to it. So that was a six-year journey, and um, it was a heck of a ride. We were one of the first companies to... Uh, to join Collabs in Saskatoon. It was the first tech incubator in Saskatchewan. Um, I think it was fairly new to raise money at the time. We had the opportunity to um, go to a tech accelerator in the United States called Techstars. So I feel like we broke a lot of barriers uh, for ourselves and, and maybe the community around us. And um, honestly, to this day, Looking back, maybe the thing that I'm most proud about is how former team members still call and they say, are you going to do something again? Because we really miss being a part of that team. And I, I think that was, if you want to, whatever you want to call success, um, the, the thrill of maybe selling a company, that fades very fast. But those memories and, and things like that are, that carries an impact for sure. Mm -hmm. So. So six years. So started in 2014. Did I get the numbers right? Or 15. <laughs> I think we were like toying with the idea in 14 okay. and we just, we were, we were so slow about it, but I would call it a, I mean, the first sale was in 15. So. Okay. And yeah. this is, this is, when you say we, this is you, you started it with a partner, right? Davey, the I two of you kind of. Yeah. I had a co-founder named Davey Lee and we were uh, colleagues and I, I know that you know Davey as well. So shout out to Davey. Uh, yeah. And yeah, just even to see that process at the very beginning, again, it's still, it amazes me and it inspires me to know where you started and where you ended up with everything that happened in the middle of it all. So when you started, I'm hearing that you didn't have an end in mind. Like when you started the business, it was more about finding the opportunity or solving a problem than it was about we're going to build this type of business in this many years. Um, I, I maybe two thoughts there. One would be, um, I think there was the dream there to sell the business one day. And I think most founders, especially in the tech space, they always... Um, they always want that, I think, to a certain extent, or some, some don't, they wanna go further or, or keep it forever. Um, I think that intention was there, but I think we were absolutely oblivious to what that would take or that that was even remotely possible. But I think another thing that shouldn't be lost here is we very much, I think both Davey and I had a very heavy sales background and there's a, sometimes there's, advice floating around saying, just sell something, just get out there and sell. Um, and I, I mean, we, we could go into that one. There's pros and cons to that, but that we really did adopt that mentality of just sell something. Okay. Okay. Fascinating. I love that. I actually want to dive in. I won't dive in now, but one of the things I'm really curious to get your perspective on is the mindset of a tech entrepreneur 
and this this mission of sell it to to, to sell it right like you, you you scale it to sell it so, um, so I'm curious just to get your take on that but where I want to shift gears a little bit everybody who's listening in knows that this podcast yes it's about entrepreneurship but we layer in this whole dynamic around finance the technical and, and the totally. behavioral piece of it you've also what I do want to share with everybody listening is you've done a number of podcasts before you're not new to podcasts I'm going to link if it's okay with you I'm going to link sure. everybody to these other podcasts because um, you share a lot of information about the business and just the the operations and the logistics of the business I'm looking to dive in with you today on the 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 financial piece of it, the money mindset piece of yeah. it, and some of the, the the challenges and opportunities and lessons and learnings that came out of that. So, if you're willing, can you take us back to those early days before the business? And we don't need to go back to <laughs> back to two or three. But what was your what do you remember your early relationship with money looking like? Well, first of all, when we started, I guess you could say talking again, um, you asked me a lot of questions that I frankly have never thought about. And so I don't know how much financial counseling you're doing, but I think I need to hire you. I think others need to, because the way that you are getting me to think about money, um, I was like, wow, <laughs> I don't think about these things. And so, yeah, I, I, I did try to think back and, um, um, you know, one of the first memories that, that come to mind was my parents um, got me to open a bank account, I think when I was about 12 years old. And so I, I'm not saying that um, I was educated on the depths of the stock market per se, um, but I, I felt like they did a very good job in attempting to build sort of a foundation there and, and trying to explain how important money is not, not that it should overrule you, but it's important. So there was the bank account thing that comes up. And then I think maybe within the first year of university or so, um, my dad really encouraged me to read the book, um, the wealthy barber. And, um, I don't even remember a lot of it to this day. Uh, people were getting a haircut and getting financial advice, but it did leave a there it is. <laughs> Pulled it out. Yep. Um, that carried an impact, and um, mm -hmm. I did take um, I did take commerce in, in school, and so I took some finance classes, and I was I had the opportunity to take a personal finance class, and I think it's good to have all that theory, um, but then you have to live it, <laughs> and that's a very different thing. Wow. Do you find that when you took finance and university, especially, I didn't know you took the personal finance piece, but did you feel that it was relatable? Like everything that you learned in university, could you then apply it to your real situation? I heard you talking to Katrina German about this and, you know, like tech mentalities. And um, I can't, I, I totally forgot that I took a course called entrepreneurial finance and Maybe I just was too immature at the time, but uh, yeah, to answer your question, it would be, I brought forward basically zero. Okay. Um, maybe the ability to figure things out or build a spreadsheet. Yeah. Um, but I think a lot of that was corporate finance. I mean, the personal finance class, yeah, bar none for okay. sure that had implications, but I, I also don't remember the ins and outs of, of that. Um, I think one thing that, 
that you got me thinking about was, um, and I've thought about this many times over the years, but I, I think it's sort of inherent in my nature to practice what I like to call financial fasting. And that's going for very, very long periods of not making money. Um, and so I think that's rooted in um, my, uh, my ancestors who totally acknowledged set settlers to Canada, um, right? But they're farmers. And I think cash flow is very cyclical, right? For farmers. And so you spend when you have it. And I think that was sort of, yeah, I think that's sort of inherent in my nature. And the same with student life, you're making money in the summer unless you have a job during school. So you have money at that point. That carried over to me um, in the business. I, I quit my job um, six months in and I had no money in my bank account. I think we were like, um, like $5,000 in annual recurring revenue, like nothing, um, which, worked out, but could have been very foolish, but yeah, that, that, that philosophy has had a big impact on me for sure. Yeah. So, so I want to, so you're talking about your annual revenue being 5,000 in at that like, time at when the beginning. I yeah, my at the job, beginning. it was probably, yeah. So, and I want to thank you and applaud you for sharing that story on the, the financial fasting. You know, this, we've had this discussion and again, the courage that you have to show up on this show and just really talk about the, um, the, the realness and the rawness and the authenticity of that story. Because in my experience, over 85% of founders are going through this stuff, but nobody's talking about it. And what right. I find just so inspirational about your story is that despite all of this stuff, despite the legacy and, and, and the financial fasting and what you brought into the business, you, you managed to, to get out on the other side of it. So thank you for bringing that up. Um, so I'm curious, as, so you're talking about your dad giving you this book, you're talking about learning or at least being, being shown different financial models and what needs to happen. And it can be overwhelming. I know even for me, it's still overwhelming, but basically you've got a pretty strong foundation on, you know, here's things that you need to know. You've got your bank account, you've got your, uh, the books that your dad's sending you, the university uh, experience. And, but it, it sounds like at the core of it, there was, uh, I don't want to put words in your mouth. So the, how did you feel about money at the time? when you started the business? Hmm. Was it scary it's a, it's to you? It's a hard question to answer. Yeah. I think that I know, is, sorry. Uh, no, don't, don't be. I, I'm just trying to unpack it in a concise way. Um, yeah, fear for sure. Okay. Fear of, um, there's the inherent fear of failure, but I think that's less to do with money. I think the fear of, of going broke, um, but at the same time, th something I've learned is if you get too comfy, then you get complacent. And so sometimes when you're, I'll just say your back's up against the wall, you get that fire, you know, to, to go and, and build or acquire those customers, right? And yeah. so, you know, back to the point of the question, um, fear, um, an attempt to take a calculated risk, and, and that means... I think different things to other people because man, you hear some pretty incredible stories like, you know, the Airbnb story and collecting a hockey card full of, uh, or a hockey card binder full of credit cards. Like I just wouldn't do that. I don't have 
that sort of, uh, uh, yeah, uh, risk propensity. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. So, yeah, fear, fear for sure. Um, but also recognizing that I was in a, to a certain degree, a, a fortunate situation where if I failed, I'd get a job and I would start over. I, I didn't, um, I didn't have a mortgage. I didn't have a family. And I had heard people talking about this, like trying to take this risk yeah. when you're, uh, you know, you're not so, when you don't have others dependent on you or, you know, the, the mortgage. So, yeah, I'm hoping I'm unpacking that in, in a concise way. It, it is a hard one to unpack, but it's certainly not, and probably one that requires some deep meditation. <laughs> So how then, Riley, with this, this, the, I don't want to say fear mindset, but there's this little monkey on your back, right? That's going, uh, don't get dead broke, you know, make sure you have enough money. Where's this all going? I'm curious to know how that mindset then, how did that impact how you, how you built the business? Like what, what happened? Let's even just start with startup capital. What was that mindset? in going in for a raise or did you even go in for a raise at the very beginning? No, we, we bootstrapped for, um, for two and a half years. Um, both Davey and I come from the small, I mean, you could almost say the sole proprietor background. So that, yeah. that mentality wasn't there. And that mentality of like, keep cash in the bank, um, spend less than you make, you know, the very basics were, were really much, very much in our head. Yeah. I think when we started to get some traction and there was a, I'll just say a spark in the tech community, uh, in Saskatoon, where we started and, and grew the business. Um, I think there was some excitement around where the tech community could go. And, uh, I think we were just kind of sitting there and we had bootstrapped and, and showed some traction. So, um, we did raise. Um, I don't know that we quite understood 100% what, what that meant at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but in, at the end of the day, it was a positive thing and um, an incredible ride. But yeah, the, the fear was, was probably there, but I don't know, does it ever go away? Uh, my, Although we had the fear, we had sort of an an underdog mentality and just sort of that sole proprietor more so mindset until later on in the business when these incubators and accelerators and mentors were really coaching us to think bigger. Um, Yeah, the fear was there, but somehow I feel like we found a way to to overcome it kind of every every time. Something that I reflect on a bit, though, is maybe the why. Um, And so something I've been kind of thinking about, you know, you mentioned doing some other podcasts. I always had the business to be behind, if that makes sense. It's easy to um, put your business in front of you and and make that the story. But when you leave your business and you have some time in between what you're doing next, there's no business to kind of hide behind. So you have to ask yourself a lot of questions. Wow, I actually, I find that fascinating because I know speaking to many founders, 
they actually, they don't separate themselves from the business. They don't yeah. feel like they're hiding behind Hard. the business. They feel that the business is an extension of them and that they're being weighted or valued based on their, like their personal self is being um, uh, judged based on the business. Where do you think that this is a tech mindset that the, that it's tech entrepreneurs that are able to separate the, the fact that that's the business and this is myself and I'm not being judged as a result of that? No, I don't think so. I think, um, I think it depends on the person. Okay. Um, I think, yeah, did I embody my business? Absolutely. And to a certain extent, that devoured my life and, and caused problems in other areas of my life because I was consumed by it and as obsessed by it. And so that's sort of, that comes natural to me. And so I think it's more of an attempt to peel it away so you can um, concurrently live other areas of your life while building the business. Okay. Um, but I don't think that neither is right nor wrong. It's whatever works for you. And when you talk about bootstrapping, knowing that you've been a, a part of incubators in the States, um, do you feel now that, would you have done it differently knowing what you know now about building business? Do you still think bootstrapping is the way to go? Or was that a, was that a mental block? The answer that helps no one, but is the answer is it depends. Okay. <laughs> um, but to unpack that a bit, um, I think that we were grappling with two different, I'll just speak for myself, two different people could maybe on a Friday night, that person wanted to just say, this could be a lifestyle business. And then maybe come Monday morning, it's like, oh, I want to, I want to take over the world. So I think you really need to be strong in your conviction on which way that, that you want to go. Okay. Um, and I think, yeah, the, the opportunity to do an accelerator in, in the United States and just the mentorship from some, some of the people that have built some of the biggest tech companies on the planet, it really gets you thinking on what it takes to build, you know, a big, big tech company at, at scale. And yes, if I, if I was starting again, I would know which which way am I going? I'd make that decision before and that would impact kind of every way I try to grow the business. If that I love that. That's so powerful, Riley, knowing where you're going, right? Just, and it's not that you necess don't necessarily need to reach that, just having that goal in mind. And did, were you and Davey on the same page with that goal or did being in the incubator programs kind of bring you together to reach that goal? Um, I think we were... Yeah, we always made we always made decisions together, and yes, we were. Um, I think something that you know you mentioned at the start of the podcast, and it might be appropriate to mention now, is um, how health and mental health impacted um, our decision making. And so, um, so I was reflecting on this. This is sort of a completely new thought. So the business journey was six years. Um, over that six years, seven people in our immediate family circles, uh, or you know, aunts and uncles, just going out that far. Seven people were diagnosed with cancer, and one was myself. Two of them died, um, and I think 
their story is their story on that, but that, that was a sideshow. But before we got our first sale, um, I, I was diagnosed with um, uh, stage three non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Um, the oncologist uh, basically said, hey, if this grows another centimeter, we need to, or we recommend that you look into treatment. Um, and this is probably a deeper story for another time, but about six or seven months later, I was getting uh, an ultrasound and they couldn't find any meaningful amount on me. Uh, and effectively that was when I, I quit my job and, you know, the thought on that Tanya was just basically like, Hey, this doctor wants to give me a timeline on my life. Why am I living in this state of fear? Like we're all going to die. Um, and I really wanted to build that business. Right. And so that's why I quit the job and went after it and fear became a lot smaller to me. But the other thing that needs to be mentioned was, um, and you know, just something for people to reflect on. And this is once again, neither right nor wrong, but I've been thinking about this, were you creating from a place of trauma or your past? Um, are you creating from a place of passion on like what you really want to build? Right. And I think when we combine all of that stuff and everything going on, as much as I use that drive and, and that fire, at a certain point, there was a lot of emotions to unpack that I wasn't dealing with. And I was just using the business as, I, I think I needed it, right? I, I needed it to uh, keep the fire going. Um, but there was a time where I crashed, unfortunately. And my body just said, hey, like, we need to deal with some stuff. Uh, and we need to take a break. And so, um, you know, my attempt moving forward, um, if and when another venture comes about is to the best that I could start with that clean slate. Yeah. Um, but you don't know these things, yeah. right? And, and especially when you're building kind of your first venture. So, so I'm curious, I want to kind of go back to that comment that you made around you're given this diagnosis, and then you you quit your job because you you knew in that moment of your life being on the line that you wanted to build the business that's a that's a pretty big statement what what was the passion to build the business your life's on the line and a part of your 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 bucket list is to get this business built I know it has a, a beautiful purpose behind it in terms of data and economic development. And, but it, is that what the fuel was or was there something deeper there behind the business that you needed to accomplish? Yeah, I, I think like, I think humans always want to peg one thing uh, as the root cause of everything. And when someone's going through cancer, they always say, what caused this? And they're looking for that certain thing, that certain thing. Um, and I think like one thing I reflect back on is I like problem solving. So when there's a problem to be solved and that's just what entrepreneurs do, I want to solve it. I think, um, both, uh, my co-founder and I, when we came together, we just said, Hey, like it's on the bucket list. We really want to build a venture and we need to find a problem to solve. So that was sort of sitting there. And I already mentioned kind of, you know, other motivating forces. But I also think there were less positive things in, I'll just share my story maybe on wanting to prove um, some people wrong. So again, creating from the past. 
or that desire for maybe external validation, or you could say status. It, it's the unfortunate truth. And I really had to work on that. Um, and if that motivates people in, in the long run and that works for them, that's great. But that, that wasn't the best for me. And those weren't the only reasons, but those are certain oh. elements in there for sure. Riley, that takes a lot of courage to, to say that, right? Like it, it, I find that people, to your point, like when your back is up against the wall and you're forced forward, you, this is where you do the deep soul searching and you really figure out, you know, why are you here? What's the whole meaning behind it all? And what you just said, um, it, 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 it really landed with me. It, it, you know, for the sounding cliche, but the whole goosebump thing, because I really feel, and I know this is a podcast all about numbers and tactical and mechanics, but it's, it's to your point, understanding why you're doing it. And most people out of human nature, we do things for acceptance. We do things for meaning. Sometimes there's different language around it, like status and belonging and right. But at, at the end of that, but what's so powerful about that Riley is the, once you know why you're doing something, Right, and the then you can actually really just start to 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 dissect the meaning of that instead of living blindly, and I I think uh, a I'm just I'm so glad that you are you've made it through. I know. Did you say that you're close to actually being um, the term of being in remission and cancer free? You're almost there. How does that work? Um, yeah, it's an interesting subject. It depends on the doctor. Um, so I was recently told by uh, one of my kind of main doctors that they were really monitoring sort of the three-year mark and now we're pushing six years. Okay. So that was long past, but it wasn't really shared with me. I think I just live cognizant of uh, things could turn and I try to do the best I can to, okay. to, to stay healthy, but I dealing with the things that I sort of mentioned and needing to take a break. I've uh, never felt healthier than in, in my life. And so I think you just, you don't wanna live in a state of fear of uh, is this, when, if, will it, uh, or when will it come back or, um, but at the same time, again, don't get too comfy because um, a lot of things can happen very fast in life, so. Wow, okay, all right, so if we if we go back to the diagnosis then and then this 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 impetus and this motivation to okay if i've got this time and you know yeah. um you knowing that you wanted to build the business did it change anything in how you now manage the business financially did that diagnosis change anything financially for you in the business i would say you know i talked about the reasons of creation in a good and bad way. Yeah. I think, um, and I think this also comes from, there's a money thing, uh, but also, you know, building your first venture. I'll just use the word impatience. Okay. Um, and I think, you know, really good businesses take a, a long time to build. Um, and I think we, a lot, a lot of people get wrapped up in that story on how they they as in just you know random stories they scaled in five years and build a billion dollar company and um i think that good businesses take a lot of patience um there's other ingredients for this recipe like 
a pile of capital, depending on the business. But I think it caused impatience. And I think, um, yeah, there was a lingering need to really unpack a lot of those emotions. And that started to, that was fuel for the fire early on, but then it became a distraction. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to explain that in the best way, but I hope that kind of makes sense. Yeah, I, and I'm curious, did the, did the end line, because you said that your diagnosis came even before sales happened in the business. So you're in this kind of development stage of, of pulling this, this technology together, then you get the diagnosis. I'm curious with the diagnosis, did your, did the, the end line for the business, did that become a little bit clearer for you to say, okay, this isn't going to be a lifestyle project. You know, I don't want to be mm. in this 20 years. I want to build the business. I want to get in. I want to get out. Did that happen or did that happen along the way somewhere? Um, I don't know. No? Okay. Uh, I, I wish I, I wish I did. I, I'd have to really sit and, and reflect on that one. I think I think when you're building the, the the business for the first time, and I'm not saying that you have a, like an easy roadmap to do it again, yeah. but I think it's just easy to have all of these ideas in your head of what this will become or how big it can grow when you haven't done it per se. And I think um, maybe I'll use the word realistic um, when you're looking at a you know, building another venture and, and you've kind of done it before, but that my roadmap's unknown to a certain extent. I, I only grew the business so far and then I, I'm back into the world of the unknown. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, but, yeah if, if I may though, the fact that you grew it and then we're in a position to sell it, you know, you're, you're, you're part of the, the 4% out there that can actually get to that point. Right. And you, you did it with the diagnosis that you that you had. So um, I'm, I'm curious, then, overall, what were some of the biggest financial hurdles that either you or you and Davey experienced together in the business? Uh, well, bootstrapping was really hard. <laughs> you know, I came in very, very broke um, and we discussed how that was good and bad, but up until we raised uh, our uh, pre-seed round, we weren't really paying ourselves well. And um, once again, subjective to say whether that's right or wrong. It worked for yeah. us at the time. Okay. Um, but I think that causes a lot of stress. And I know that when we were taking a not even a market salary, but more the, like enough to pay the bills. Um, I, I felt like a lot of that stress was relieved. Um, but, but even, you know, after that, we certainly, we almost certainly never paid ourselves uh, a market salary. So that can cause stress. And I think any business owner, but probably any human can relate to um, when, you're, when you're building a business to a certain extent, if you're not profitable or you're, and you're not on your path to growth, time is working against you, right? Mm -hmm. And sometimes you're looking in the bank account saying like, mm -hmm. how's this going to go, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I have heard a lot of stories, you know, a lot of stories. And I wouldn't say that we ever had anything 
sort of too dramatic that way. But that also goes hand in hand with risk because some people just see this ability to grow really, really fast. So they put all the cash in. Um, and so I, I wouldn't say that we were necessarily in that scenario, but I think sometimes when your chips are down, you really don't want to look in the bank account. Sometimes you just yeah. want to be ignorant. But I want to ask you, because in, in one of our other conversations, you talked about um, you or you and Davy being really quite cognizant of the levers, the, the, the financial levers, and really assessing quite astutely kind of where you were at. And it sounds to me like that's one of the, the big differences that you and Davy had over many business owners who are looking at just the bank account balance or waiting till four months after year end to, to get the reality of their financial situation. Where did that come from? Was that just always at the very beginning you wanted to understand what your numbers were telling you or? Davy had work experience in the finance industry. Okay. Um, I guess I did to a certain extent with, with Futurepreneur. So we were exposed to seeing how businesses ran and coming from family businesses. Um, so we had that in mind and you know just some of the things that come to mind. Um, I mean, we did not have our QuickBooks in the first year in order and that was uh, really bad. So when we hired a bookkeeper, the person was like, what are you guys doing? Like get this stuff in order. So we said, yeah, I think we can afford a paying a bookkeeper here and there and that was a smart idea and then we actually hired um an office manager which honestly like we were doing founder sales and so bringing in the office manager was just incredible we started billing people on time we started i don't think we ever missed payroll or ran it late but you know we just made sure we were on top of everything so we tried to surround ourselves with people who just focused on that but at the same time we kind of had um we, we experimented with a few different software programs but we really always just went back to a google sheet that we kind of called the the financial bible we had a waterfall of you know all of our customers and you know when would that contract end so i think we we did we did good not incredible not great and i'm sure um you could kick our butts in some boot camps for sure. Um, just hearing a few things in the way you talk, it's like, yeah, we're so rookie for sure. But no, but you know what? I think that um, we never get it all together, right? To your yeah. point of does the fear ever go away? We never learn it all. We never get it all figured out. Hopefully we're living our life so that we're always uncomfortable because yeah. I mean, that just shows us that we're growing, right? We just reach different la layers, levels all the time. The same thing with, with financials. But the, the biggest thing that I hear in your story and Davy's story is that you took the time to look at it. You, you know, you didn't, even though it might've scared you and there was discomfort and in not paying yourself, you weren't afraid to look at the numbers to see what they were actually saying because that's what it means to be financially fierce, right? Know where you want to go, yes, but definitely know where you're starting from. Otherwise, you're never going to get there. Never going to get yeah. there if you don't know. I mean, I think another thing worth mentioning um that was really eye-opening to us as we started to grow was there's that conflicting advice of just sell something yeah versus i'll say unit economics so off the start yes proves that you can sell something but you know then this as you start to grow this this unit economics thing starts to to come in and you know for people that don't quite understand i i view it as like the cost to acquire and, and service one customer. 
right? And you really need to make sure that you have really figured that out, which is really hard to do when you're, when you're just starting out. But those unit economics really need to line up if you're, gonna, if you're going to scale a venture. And so I don't even think we were aware of what that even meant in the first couple of years of the business. It was literally just get customers in, try not to spend too much money, um, and then we started to try to learn the systems. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I've got a huge face, a smile on my face when you're talking about this. Because my, it, it's so true. We, you know, we're, I, I actually, I'm, I, so I'll full credit to you on unit economics. I love that whole term. And I was like, what does that mean exactly? What are you referring to? But, you know, when we start talking about numbers and cost of goods, Right. And a lot of people just go into here's the materials and, you know, here's the labor to manufacture that specific product. But yeah. when we actually drill down and to your point, customer acquisition, all of the marketing that goes into that, all of the handholding, all of the uh, pitches and presentations and then the retention. How do you get that yeah. customer experience, you know, not just to fulfillment, but past fulfillment? into the retention piece, understanding the economics behind that is, in my experience, this is where most businesses are losing their profit because they haven't done that number. And then they're like, I don't know where our money's going, right? We budgeted for operating, but not for good salary for the owners. But so I love that you brought that up. Sorry, that was a little rabbit trail for me. But no, that's it's, I, think it's, I think it's great. And I think you're much more qualified to talk about it than I. Um, it's something on my mind, but... I wouldn't say I'm the first person to call about unit economics, um, but it, it's something worth mentioning. I, sure. I think it's extremely valuable. And you you are, you're just as qualified. You've lived it and you've learned it, which is, is key. So talking about learning now, can sure. we just shift into some of the, the, the biggest lessons that you've learned that you want to kind of, well, share, but also now that you've gone through this first business, what is it that you won't do again? And what is it that you would want to do differently? Um, what were the, the, the biggest lessons, the financial lessons? Hmm. I think the jury's still out on paying yourself from day one. I don't know okay. what to say about that. I think okay. it depends on whether you can do that or not. I have met many founders or potential founders that are holding themselves back on the illusion that they need to keep that big fat salary. Or maybe they have such a high burn, you know, a personal burn that they could never make that happen. Um, but I think the jury's still out on on that. But I think, you know, and it's something that maybe you've also reiterated or opened my mind to is just, you know, valuing yourself. And, and you know, uh, you, if you're not paying yourself, you're not necessarily valuing yourself, but it depends on how much you want to pour into it. So Treat it as not so much a, an answer or a tip, but something that I'm pondering. Um, and I'm sure others have, have um, unpacked better. Yeah. Um, I think the second thing is, is the bootstrapping thing. Um, on the whole, I'll take an opinion on this and saying, I think you should bootstrap as long as you can, if you can. Because some people are building such, I'll just say deep technology that has say a five or 10 year path to revenue or maybe you're in the hardware business that you just need so much capital to pour in. I come from the, the software world, so it's a bit different from me. And we, you know, we brought in the right sort of um, 
talent pieces of the puzzle to make that happen on a bootstrap basis. So I inherently still um, go back to bootstrap because even if you want to raise capital, are you in a better position to say, hey, um, I need capital to put fuel in the fire because this thing's taking off versus coming to someone and saying, I have an idea, right? And um, people could easily debate me on that one. And it depends on where you live and mentalities in different places. But I like to see, um, I, I want to try to prove some traction before I throw money on. Um, so maybe, Riley, a, yeah, sorry, ahead. Riley, maybe just to clarify there for people who are listening, what if, would you be open to considering bootstrapping as the point in which you're invested to ensure that there's like a minimum viable product? I know we're not talking about pharmaceuticals and we're talking about, you know, the vast number of business owners or founders that are listening or watching watching to this, but being in a position where you can prove the value of your product or service, prove that there's a market, that there's an appetite yes. for it, putting in the, the skin in the game to get to that point, and then from there, finding the capital to say, whether it's equity, whether it's debt, whatever it is, but then finding that capital to say, and this is where I want to take it. This is what I want to build out of this product or service. So yeah, and again, that's if you can, yeah, right? Okay. Certain businesses can't, but yes, I, I agree with I agree with your your take on that. But and maybe just flipping back for a second, um, you got to make that decision. I mean, yes and no, but I'll, I'll I think to myself, this is just my my thinking. Um, trying to make that decision, um, maybe almost before I start on. Is this like, like a lifestyle business and, you know, a couple person venture that, you know, provides me a good living or is this, am I trying to build a, a rocket ship here that I'm going to have to raise a lot of capital? Mm. And uh, sometimes I get asked like, which, what, what, which way will you go? And mm. I say, well, the answer is it depends on the mission that I'm trying to achieve. It could go either way for me. And so obviously if you decide that you want to build this rocket ship, that means you're bringing on uh, investors and you need to understand what that means. Uh, and I think that a lot of founders get caught up in the hype of raising money. And I think they lose the meaning behind like what, what they're really doing. You're, you're not giving away your company to someone. They're injecting money and in, in a if you have the right investor, a lot of value into your company, you know, and, and if you can bring on strategic investors, that can work out incredibly well for you. But, um, you know, that, that those people very carefully, we were very, very blessed with um, uh, investors that treated us um, incredibly well. But um, I don't know, sometimes not every business should be funded per se. Um, but if you can, kind of figure that one out, which is easier said than done be, before you start, which way you're going, which kind of yeah. goes back to what you're all about. Yeah. Um, so that one's turning into a rent. So I, I, no, I, I love that though, but there, there is a parallel between um, the episode with Katrina German because her language yeah. was no, if you, if you have a growth mindset or control yeah. mindset. So control is a lifestyle, that. right? It's just kind of your you're on the train track and it's just, it's moving along and you get to control all the dynamics, but growth is the rocket ship in your language where it's like, nope, this is what we're building and we're going to scale this thing and then get out. But what I love about what both of you have said is start with the end in mind. 
know what you're building really because it will it will definitely help you with achieving that end and goal right with with clarity yeah. on that and if i can because i think this is a, an important piece that you brought up and in other conversations you talked about this huge light bulb moment for you when the business actually started paying you oh, this yeah. paycheck where you you got paid you got paid like i can yeah. i can feel the, the elation in the right so what like let's just walk through that what what is that what did you learn from that um yeah so towards the in the later years of the business um and i i kind of shared you know from my from my personal standpoint like i i kind of burned out and i needed to take a break and um my team was incredible about that they're like hey you know we're we got this um you uh, you take the break that you need and um something kind of reflecting on was just i was getting a paycheck from my business but for once i wasn't like killing myself every week working for it and so that was a um, a very good feeling and that would probably be the i don't want to say control mindset but more the the lifestyle business approach to a certain extent um, because if you're trying to build the rocket ship, it doesn't really work that way. And so I felt like I had just unlocked a, a very deep secret in saying, you know, it's what, what's that book that, you know, is so popular and I think it was like the 90s, like the E-Myth, you know, where they separate the... Um, oh, yeah, Michael Gerber, like, the, 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 yeah. the technician, the, yeah, the manager. The technician, technician. the manager, the entrepreneur, right? Yes. And um, when you're in a small business, you have to wear every hat, but you do, you know, the point of that book was to say, you want to get to that entrepreneur phase where you're creating, but you're not in the trenches every day. So I got a piece of uh, what that tasted like, and it, it, it felt really good. No doubt. Um, and so that may or may not be something to look at moving forward, but, um, you know, building things that have a deep lasting impact, which you can do in lifestyle businesses as well also you know is lingering so yeah no well thank you for that because i think that um you know i think it's an important message i mean i i i have a personal philosophy on this i think and for both of us in our work with futurepreneur as lenders when you know when a business owner comes in and they want to start a business not having wrapped their head around are they you know are they building a rocket ship as a growth or or um uh, control mindset, but one of the very first things we do, right, is to understand what is your personal burn rate. Like the business yeah. needs to be able to pay you what you need to survive at home. Otherwise, there's no business, right? Yeah. Like it, it just doesn't work because there's no foundation there. But I, I, and this, this is a whole other episode, so we we won't get into this here. But I, it amazes me this belief or mindset that entrepreneurship is it's a tough job it's a hard job that you know you don't get paid like we the vast majority of us go into it with that mindset right and I'm just so curious and I'm so grateful that you had this experience of wait a minute I'm I'm getting paid and I'm not putting in 90 hours and I think that we just we as entrepreneurs we can give the world so much more we can solve so many more problems if we start taking better care of ourselves, right? Yeah, and that, that also is, means getting paid. 
it's yeah that's such a good point tanya i mean yes that's definitely a, a whole other um, podcast but i i learned the hard way of um what it means to run yourself so deeply into the ground um and i see other founders do it every single day yeah. and if and when they come to the realization to take better care of themselves i mean i don't know take it take it yeah. from my position i don't want to see this happen to people so yes as important as it is to build um businesses and achieve missions um yeah try not to do it at the cost of your own personal health and happiness that's for sure i love that i love that i think that's a that's an amazing place to to kind of end this sure. message because there's so much power in that we you know so many entrepreneurs are um are compromising themselves day in week in year in and i i think if if i may i, I don't want to trivialize this but i think that the the gift in the the health scare the gift in the diagnosis is it really just it, it gets you to prioritize what really is important and yes. at the end of the day there's it's health right like it, it yeah there's no business if there's no health and that means financial health it means physical health it means mental health um and so again thank you so much for sharing this whole journey that you've had with money with the business a again it just it amazes me and it inspires me um beyond words can what they can really convey here Riley the fact where you started this being your first business to where you exited and everything that happened in the middle and maybe it was everything that happened in the middle that actually got you to the successful exit yeah. I don't know but I'm so appreciative of your willingness to share that story here today yeah I, uh, Tanya I appreciate you giving me a platform to share um I feel like I've been kind of hiding out in a cave for, for quite a while. We all have. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, that's a good point. Um, I think also um, what you're doing, uh, I won't speak for the big picture, but just for myself, like probably just gave me more questions than answers, but started making me ask like very, very important questions. So um yeah, thanks. Thanks for that one. Oh, well, thank you. I mean, what it means to be financially fierce, just the courage to be aware of where you're at, right? Asking those questions and then to understand where you want to be and just moving forward, moving forward one step at a time. And you are that you are uh, you're beyond financially fierce. And again, so appreciative of you taking the time to share that story today, Riley. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. You're, you're too okay. kind. Yeah. All right, founders. Well, thanks for tuning in for this episode of The Gab Lab. Uh, Riley's contact information will be in the show notes below. And uh, looking forward to seeing you in the next episode, Gab Lab. Until then, stay strong, stay safe, and stay financially fierce. Bye for now, everyone.